I was scared back there. I was too. Glad you're okay. Made me remember something I've been taking for granted lately. You can't wait on life. No. So, will you marry me? Put that thing away. It'll snag on everything. And I told you not to ask me that. I know. Especially after something like this. And this is not happening on a horse. Hey Zed Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Karen. And this is the Walking Dead Cast episode 328. <laughs> welcome back, Karen. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Cool. For season 99. <laughs> it feels like 99. <laughs> yep. Season uh, nine. Well, I'm, I know a lot of people are happy to hear your voice right now, so glad you're back. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'm glad to be back. Uh, this episode is made possible by Patreon supporters like Shelly Champagne, who has the coolest name of anyone yes. I ever met. And also she pledged her support at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. So thank you, Shelly. Thank you, Ms. Champagne. <laughs> I met her at <laughs> Walker Stalker Atlanta last year or the year before. And uh, I, I think, are you going to be there again, Shelly? I think so. Her and Ashley. So that's coming up in a few weeks here. I'm gearing up for it right now. Uh, uh, oh, uh, is it going to be around Halloween? Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm making the schedule like for the panels, which mm-hmm. makes me feel really powerful because I'm like, I'm just going to write these two names together and then they're going to be up on stage and people are going to line up to see them. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. Yeah, yeah I like I, it. Like I want, I, I probably shouldn't be talking too much behind the scenes stuff, but um, there's probably going to be a panel with Lenny James and other Fear the Walking Dead people. And I was like, I want to put him on a panel with Carl McKinnon who played um, oh shoot I forgot his name but he was the kingdom guy that Morgan killed do you remember yes right just so they can like confront each other I like doing that put together characters like there's going to probably be a governor Andrea panel stuff like that (laughs) you do like to like uh, stir the pot man (laughs) see if I can yeah if a fight will break out anyway uh, before we get into the premiere we can't go too far in the podcast without mentioning some incredibly sad news that happened this weekend you know what I'm gonna say I know exactly what you're gonna, you're you're going to say, and um, yeah, super super sad about the passing of Scott Wilson, who played our beloved Herschel on The Walking Dead, and I heard about it this weekend, and I got super super sad. It came as a real shock because um, I had heard that he was back on The Walking Dead. Yeah, apparently he'll be made probably in a flashback or something. I mean, I'm guessing yeah, it would. That's the way they do it. Who knows if it if it's just a scene or a sequence of scenes or something? But 
that'll be hard. <laughs> it'll be so sad to watch now yeah. but i'm glad he did that if you know if it's true um yeah i'm sorry people if this is the first time that you're hearing this but yeah it's true scott wilson passed away this saturday i believe he had leukemia mm-hmm. he was 76 years old um his wife well survivors include his wife heavenly who's an artist and an attorney who he married in in 77 and his mom jewel died last year at the age of 102 wow in march and uh walking dead actors and other colleagues have been speaking out paying tribute i'm gonna read a couple of those Kari payton said the first time i met scott wilson he gave me a big hug and said that this thing i'd become a part of was a family he said mm-hmm. i had a responsibility to take care of it I've tried very hard to do that, sir, and I will continue. I promise. See you on the other side, my friend. It's nice. Wow. Yeah, that is really nice. Michael Cudlitz just said, rest easy, my friend. Tom Payne said, goodbye, Scott Wilson, you absolute legend. Chandler Riggs said, I'll never forget the things you told me and the time we spent together on set. <clears throat> and then Lauren Cohan she just posted a picture of her and Scott Wilson hugging and smiling. I think it was from early on cause he didn't have his beard yet. And, uh, Emily Kinney, who we all remember played Beth posted a different picture of the two of them together and said the best TV dad, a girl could ask for an amazing actor, inspiration and friend. Love you, Scott. I miss you. RIP. Yeah. Yeah. I got the opportunity to meet him at a Walker stalker con and he was just hanging out. Um, by the sort of one of the side doors and I happened to be with um, Mr. Blog at the time and um, right, you might have been there maybe you weren't there um, but I said oh Scott Wilson and uh, and he turned around and he was so gracious and sweet and I, t- and I gushed like a fangirl the, the fangirl that I am and I said that I loved him in Junebug mm-hmm. one of, a, an amazing movie people go rent Junebug. It's a wonderful movie. And told him how much I loved him in that too. Um, which he probably doesn't hear much at Walker Stocker Con. It's probably all about The Walking Dead. Anyway, he was so sweet. He um, gave me a big hug. And it's true. He <laughs> instantly made you feel like you were his long lost best friend. And that is a talent. And that is a a blessing. And um, I, after that, I was, you know, a little bit in love with him. Um, just thought, wow, that guy is amazing. And so it's very sad. I'll miss him. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a bunch of panels with him and he's always sweet backstage and he gives me a little wink or something, you know? Yeah. And, uh, one of the most recent ones I did with him, he told a story of going out to LA when he was just a young guy and he had nothing just like hitchhiked (laughs) out there just to be an actor. Yeah. And, um, he got in cold blood and in the heat of the night in 1967. And uh, so 2017 marked his 50th anniversary wow. as an actor. And he was working the whole time. And uh, he, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you your favorite memory, but you just said, and that's it. My, I, mine, um, I've worked with him a lot doing these panels and things, but I got to say my favorite memory is being on, in the walking dead season two finale when he shot me in the head with his magic shotgun (laughs) (laughs) with the never ending bullets. Yeah. And there was one scene where I was like at the spearhead of a few, like three or four zombies just 
uh, <laughs> ambling towards him and he had to reload his gun and I was just fresh new at this I you know I didn't even yeah. do any zombie school or anything and I was walking towards him and he was trying to reload that gun and he couldn't get it in there and he's like <laughs> the zombies coming too fast. I can't reload my gun or something like that. He, he was like kind of being self-deprecating about it though, even though it was my fault. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, I better slow down. <laughs> Shamble more, man. Shamble. That was pretty funny. But anyway, mostly I just remember him. Yeah. Being a sweetheart at the conventions to everybody that he ran into and yep. just being a really, really cool guy. So we're, we're, we're all really sad about that. And, uh, he said, uh, a few years ago, he said, I've accomplished more than I would have hoped to have accomplished. I don't want to be a big movie star. I can be someone who walks the streets and not get mobbed yet. I want to be as fine an actor as I can be. I'm still striving for that to be as good as I can be. And that was like the year that he started walking dead. So I imagine that in these last few years, he has gotten mobbed. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully it was respectful. And oh, hopefully yeah. everybody had as good an experience as I did. He made it good. Yeah. he. I've heard yeah. other stories like that where people who approached him, he would give him a hug and a nice word or something. Afterwards, you could definitely see all the, the big red hearts in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like popping out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, well, rest in peace, Herschel. Let's yep. move on to our Deadcast Top 5. Let's do it. Attention shoppers, Deadcast Top 5 in 5, 4, 3, 2, Okay, it's our top five highlights for Walking Dead Season 999, Episode 1, <laughs> A New Beginning. <laughs> so how did you like it? Are you... Yeah, I thought that the uh, I thought the title fit the episode pretty well. It felt like a new beginning. And in that way, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, a fun watch. It had good moments. It had um, some uh, traditionally Walking Dead moments. Um, But all in all, I was happy I was there for the ride. How about you? Cool. Are you bummed that they didn't show Negan, though? I know you probably... (laughs) So sad. Yeah. So very sad. Uh, Yeah, I liked it. I was primed for it. I was getting good vibes and buzz from people behind the scenes and in the news and everything so but you know often when I have higher expectations I'm disappointed and I didn't feel that way I mean it was um it was a good story it was it didn't blow me away but I'm like yeah they're they're going in a new direction and that feels good and I thought it was well executed and there were some things that I really liked about it a lot and it set up some interesting things and there were a few surprises so overall yeah I really enjoyed it I'm glad to be back watching The Walking Dead. And oh man, I, I know you haven't really been paying that much attention to fear, but I've just been kind of bummed out about fear. So it's great to get back into The Walking Dead proper. Have you been bummed out because it was wonderfully sad and touching? Or <laughs> have you been bummed out because uh, it was sort of not what you were expecting this season? Yeah, I mean, they really just, decided to make a whole new show and they killed off the main characters from seasons past including uh, yeah. Kim Dickens who played Madison and who didn't yeah. want to leave the show and oh. so I thought well shit man if they're going to do that then it better be good and 
it seemed like it was starting off really good. And throughout the whole thing, there were some things that were great about it. The, they got this great cinematographer in there that knows how to film zombies better than anything on The Walking Dead. Well, except for maybe this episode, which I'll get into. But um, <laughs> but uh, the story, just uh, the writing, the dialogue, and uh, it just started to get really st- simplistic and uh i mean the listeners don't want to especially the ones who actually enjoyed it which there are a bunch don't want to hear me rehashing it but you kind of get the idea i'm like dude (laughs) if you were gonna break my show then and and give me this nah (laughs) yeah (laughs) right exactly exactly so let's get into our top five for this this episode what's your number five okay so my number five i'm gonna start with the beginning which is uh as i as i often do with the uh opener I love a good opener, and I thought this was a terrific one. It was sort of great, like, oh, yeah, that's right, the show. I like the show. <laughs> uh, you know, it's had its, it's had its hard times the last couple seasons, but it was fun to get back into it. It was like, oh, hey, Rick, hey, Michonne. And then, oh, there they are checking out a murder of crows. And uh, so then we have the sanctuary, and they have a bad corn crop, but then they are making ethanol. So it's kind of great. There they are working on conversion motorcycles that run on ethanol and there's horseback riding and wow this is great I wouldn't spend time in this place they're making alternative fuels they're uh, riding horses Uh, there's Eugene talking to Tara and he um, says time to go you know the crops are failing so time to go medieval on the problem as as it were Uh, which now I kind of understand since they were looking to get some old-fashioned tools to help them with the crop um there's uh jesus and aaron which is kind of great and personally i'd love to see the two of them get together uh there's jerry on horseback and there's washington dc and then we end with the credit sequence and the credit sequence i thought looked great it's animated and kind of looks watercolory and beautiful and the crows are sort of a theme they fly out of the tree and then the tree um blooms which is kind of fabulous and hopefully symbolic um so yeah the the opener made me really happy yeah talking about all this uh the ethanol and just seeing the dynamics of how they're trying to make society work i thought about you because i know you've talked about wanting to see more of that did that feel like this was hinting at that or getting at that more a little bit the whole episode right it scratched that i'll get (laughs) into it a little bit more later on but yeah that that got uh that got served and i was very (laughs) happy plus the zombies look really good they're very warm i know we say that every season But this, I don't know, man, this time seeing that opening sequence, especially in D.C., going through the streets of, uh-huh. of D.C., I was like, wow, I thought that I was over zombies, that I was so sick of them and I didn't give a <laughs> shit anymore. Yeah. And I'm feeling that same feeling that got me wanting to do this podcast in the first place because yeah. they look, yeah, they look a little different and maybe yeah, more advanced and worn, but just so creepy. And I even think that they changed maybe the way that they have instructed the zombies to move. Because yes. one thing that kind of bugs me about The Walking Dead is they, they tell you, move like you're drunk. And zombies don't move like a drunk person. They move like a non-human, like herky-jerky. Right. 
And right. don't, don't you think the zombie, I don't know, maybe it's just my imagination, but it seemed like the zombies in this episode moved a little more herky-jerky like Romero zombies. I would agree. And, and there was something there was something extra creepy about them and sort mm-hmm. of ethereal. And um, that's how zombies should be. They shouldn't be like your drunk uncle. <laughs> yeah. They should, they should be something, yeah, supernatural or otherworldly. Other, otherworldly, and, alien. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so I was just so digging it. And then um, doing my research, I read an interview with Nicotero, which I was going to put in the news, but I'm just going to, because this is my number five, by the way, how great the zombies are. And (laughs) so um, Nicotero said to Entertainment Weekly, well, they asked, I love when you, you all go back to the city because it gives the show a throwback vibe to itself because it's all sort of started there and he goes right and listen if you think about it that whole moment when we're in the city streets and we see a walker and then we see another walker that's very much a love letter to george romero because i was very much inspired by the opening of day of the dead which i i love that opening i mean to me that opening if you haven't seen day of the dead it's mostly down in this military bunker but it was meant to be up in the city and they just didn't have the budget i think so that opening is like the promise of a better movie that never happened. <laughs> but it was a good movie. But anyway, so he goes on when they're in the city and the helicopter lands and they're hauling out looking for survivors. When I spoke to my editor, Alan Cody, I said, I want you to watch the beginning of Day of the Dead because there's a very specific rhythm that I want to build. And I want the audience to feel like this world is dead. That's why we see, uh, see all the burned out cars and all the debris blowing across the street. I just yep. wanted to really feel that. So again, I'm really trying to embrace the genre roots of The Walking Dead. And of the three episodes I've directed this season so far, I'm really, really desperately making sure that those genre elements are there. Yeah. And it's funny because he was on The Talking Dead, and I think it was him who said that he wanted, uh, he said, you know, this is a Western and that's kind of part of what he was going for, the vibe he was going for. And I'm like, yeah, that is kind of oh, what yeah. it is. I mean, Rick has always seemed like a Gary Cooper type. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sheriff, Old West Sheriff. Yeah. Well, except when he's just a crazy madman. But yeah. <laughs> but it it, <laughs> it had, it's had sort of a Western feel to it, a look to it, you know, with... with um, yeah, like instead of tumbleweeds blowing by, it's a piece of trash. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Paper or whatever. Exactly. And, and I thought, you know, I read this and I'm like, it, then I watched it again. And I'm like, it does seem just like Day of the Dead, the opening, except then our badass zombie fighters who have been in the apocalypse for several years ride by on their horses and start chopping the shit out of them, which was pretty <laughs> right. cool. It's like, this is what happens when Romero meets Rick Grimes, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> which is super cool. And I think you kind of mentioned, but yeah, they really in the other zombie scenes, they took their time with it. I feel like they had a goal to be like, let's not treat the Zeds as something in the background at least for this episode let's right really take our time with the creepiness like the one that carol sees first you just see the fingers and hands coming up and they're all gnarled and wiggly yeah you know we haven't seen stuff like that or 
down in the bowels of the museum with cobwebs everywhere and then one grabs Sadiq's leg and, it, and then the spiders come out of oh, its eye sockets. That was the best. That I loved. Okay, that might be my zombie of the week. Um, sometimes I say it's a zombie kill of the week, but this week it's going to be the zombie, my zombie of the week. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that Sadiq was freaked out, but probably more than anything, he was freaked out by the spiders yeah. on the zombie. <laughs> he really sold that. He's like, I, I don't like spiders. Right. <laughs> and it reminded me of uh, Indiana Jones with yep. snakes, right? Yeah. Snakes. It had to be snakes. <laughs> yep. And, mm. you know, I thought. Oh, maybe because I kind of thought one of the reasons I was over zombies is because they're just not that much of a threat, a credible threat anymore because our characters know how to take care of them. And I'm like, "Eh, maybe even the one that Rick kind of stared at for a while just so we could like see the awesomeness of Nicotero's work and then he put a hatchet in its head. (laughs) Maybe they just need to have some artistry around how they're presented, even if they're not that much of a threat to just take their time and yeah just stage it well and build up the creepy factor and because that's what this episode did and it, it totally worked for me i love the that one in particular is that the one that's behind the counter at the front of yeah. the museum the zombie docent um, <laughs> if you look closely you can see that the zombie docent is wearing a sweater like all good museum docents right and i love that uh and know, we're rick- walking we're walking <laughs> right exactly <laughs> <laughs> Rick puts the the hatchet in the zombie and then grabs a brochure. <laughs> he so did. Oh, yeah. he, grabbed a, he grabbed a brochure because you have to have a museum map uh, right. to know where all the things are. So, well, yeah. I just <laughs> loved. Like, this is totally out of left field for where we are, but when right in the middle of a conversation, Michonne gives this wistful look in her eye, and you see that she's staring at this uh, kind of a. I don't know. What do you call it? It's like a poster, but on the wall, it says we, the people and the display. Yeah. Oh, and it just reminded yes. her of the past of civilization. Yep. And you could see the emotion in her and, and, um, Denai Greer did such a great job with that. Yeah. Cause I'm like, exactly. what does she see? What does she see? And then you see it's that poster and it's like, yeah, I could, I would totally feel like that too. Yep. Yep. Oh, so good. A couple more just quick zombie things. So there's yeah. zombie s- scarecrow and uh-huh. uh, which Daryl doesn't approve of because that's what the saviors did. They use zombies for stuff, but we're civilized. We don't do that. Plus, he's just grumpy as hell. Um, <laughs> but the X-shaped cross, they did they do that in X-Men comics a lot. They have um, people bound to X-shaped crosses. So it oh, reminded me of that. That's interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. And then... Um, Later, they're talking about, well, not later, but I think it's early on, about herd migration and the logistics of it. And I think Rosita is saying, maybe they're naming the herds. She said two other herds merged into Sylvia. So they're naming the herds like storms, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And and, (laughs) Like hurricanes. Yeah, exactly. And I was thinking, well, it's kind of cool that they're talking about the logistics of navigating around herds because they did that whole thing in season three, episode one, about that was sort of their justification why they hadn't moved very far. And then they kind of just let go of that and never referred to it again. So even though I was sort of like, oh, it's good they didn't refer to it because I think it's kind of dumb. There's also a part of me that's like, well, I'm glad that if they were going to introduce that element that it would come back sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. We we humans are are quite the herd animals. You know, we'll follow, we'll follow the leader. So yeah. it sort of makes sense. Especially the more zombie-like among us. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Me in the morning. <laughs> All right, number four. Yeah, All I just right. want to join a cult when I wake up, usually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the coffee cult. <laughs> All right, so my number four is the uh, wonderful American History Museum. I loved it so much, and as I mentioned before, I had been jonesing for some reference to the fact that they're going to have to go back to a simpler time. They're going to have to go back to simpler methods. Uh-huh. And to, in order to, it's like in order to progress and rebuild, yeah. they have yep. to go back. So to go forward, they need to go back. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. We, they can no longer rely on modern on technology. On their iPhones and yeah. their Teslas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So I love that they're coming to the point where they they're changing it up to a simpler, more agrarian society, which is really important. And they, you know, they've been, we've been waiting for years to see this happen. And one of the things that we had to get past, and for us, it's years. For them, it's like, what was it, a couple months to get past the all-out war? The all-out war for them didn't progress very long. It was only like two or three months. Yeah, it was like four days for them and like 10 years for us, something like that. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's really fun to see it. I've been waiting for this to happen. And I love that they're talking about learning the trades, in fact, uh, the guys on horseback. And I love that they're on horseback. I had a horse when I was young, so it makes me really happy. I though. feel like, yeah, horses might be a big part of this show from now on. They are in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to be. They're going to have to figure out a way to get around. Also, you'd think that they'd be, that they would have figured out that bikes are a good way to get around, too. Jenny says that all the time. In terms of calories expended per mile, bikes are the most efficient form of transportation. But one thing I also loved about this episode is they're showing a lot of overgrowth, which really they should have actually shown a lot more by now if it was going to be accurate. Which horses can handle. That would hinder bikes. True. True. You're 100% right. So in order to be riding around the with these horses, they're going to have to shoe the horses. And so they were talking about being apprentice horseshoers. A horseshoer is also known as a farrier. And uh, not easy that. to be. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not easy to be a farrier. It is, I remember this farrier that used to shoe my horse. He would talk about how his back was aching all the time. And you could see it like every once in a while when he was shoeing a horse, he'd have the horse horse's hoof between his knees and he'd be putting on a new shoe and the horse would just sort of start leaning on him oh god and, and, and then he and then he'd give the horse an He's elbow like, hey. and the horse would be like all right all right three legs three legs and uh so it ain't, it ain't easy being a farrier but it's so great so it's nice to imagine that you know here are these young guys that in the today's world would be maybe they'd be you know uh, in college or they'd be looking down at their iPhone or they would be playing games or whatever. But um, in this world, they're going to have to learn how to do a trade. And, you know, I wish I learned more about plumbing and, and carpentry, actually, especially plumbing. I could really use that. Um, you know, it's not as useful to know how to fix a car because cars these days are so modern. Um, they're hard for just a journeyman to fix. You have to be sort of a specialist using specialized computers to fix a car. But you still need to know about plumbing and carpentry. So I really wish I knew that stuff. And I love that. Uh, I love the scene with Rick and Jadis, uh, sorry, Anne in the museum looking at 
the seed bank that was there in the museum and the heirloom seeds that they found at the at the museum. It totally makes sense. Fun fact. Have you heard about this global seed vault in Norway? Yeah. It's They're so cool. Keeping, yeah, in case of an emergency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a disaster. But now how long do the seeds last? That's what That was my first thought. I think they're replacing them on a pretty regular basis. The, um, the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is funding the operation of the seed bank. Okay, but not in the museum in the zombie apocalypse. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The seeds would be if they were kept dry and sort of temperature controlled, more or less, in those drawers, they could last for a couple of years. They'd still be viable. So uh, it depends. But if they're cool and dry, you can keep seeds viable for a little while. So I think you could make a good case that those seeds would still be viable. Not all of them, but maybe many of them. So okay. it really makes after, sense. After a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd still be fine. I just, in fact, I just planted a bunch of kale from seeds that I think were like two years old. Cool. Um. So, yeah, cool. And I love that they were getting a plow. That makes sense. That's how uh -huh. they're going to plow the fields. And Maggie said, our blacksmith can use this yeah. as a template to yep. make more. Yep. And they're going to get a canoe. They're going to get a covered wagon. I was like, yeah, you would raid the Natural History Museum. Uh, oh, sorry, the Amer American History Museum. You'd rate it for these really useful things. So cool. I love it. Anyway. Yeah, it makes me wonder about that book that they got from that woman, remember, that you liked so much? Yes. Uh, the, I, and I think they showed it, didn't they? Did they? Probably. I feel like, yeah, it's still going to play in. They're not going to just drop that. Yeah. How to do stuff. Volumes <laughs> one through five. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. And and I also like that they, they spoke about, um, Daryl talks to Rick about why the sanctuary's crops are failing. And he says, you know, it's a damn factory. So it makes sense. The soil was never good in the first place. It was a factory. They probably even, I don't know, maybe they even, um, you know, dumped chemicals in the area. And so right. there's a reason why probably the crops are failing. And yeah. I love that he talks about the infrastructure is failing too. He's like, you know, the sanctuary is really far from the other the other places and the bridges and the roads are are failing. And of course, Rick ignores him, which is, you know, dumb. Um, but well, I know. I mean, he he makes it a priority to fix the bridge, fix the bridge. Yeah. yeah. He didn't but, ignore him. Uh, but, but don't. Well, he didn't ignore the. I mean, he's like, you know, we should really close up the sanctuary. That's what Daryl's saying to him is, why are we mm. here at the sanctuary at all? We should really close it up and relocate people to other places. Did he say that? He didn't say it. So, yeah, see, but I mean, I wondered about that because Rick said, we're going to have to find a way to make this work, you know, which is what kind of what you say when you're really trying hard to be to have this ideal, but you don't know exactly how you're going to do it. And you have a lot of opposition and you're like, OK, OK, I know it's not clear to even me right now how we're going to do this, but let's just get on the same page that we're going to try to figure it out. Otherwise we're never going to be successful. Right. And Daryl is on the other side of that. Like, no, I'm not into it. Let's not do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, that's, that's on a macro scale uh, or sometimes it can be in a marriage where you're just like, let's go this way. Well, that's going to be too hard. Well, we'll it, it'll be easier if we decide that we're going to do it and that we're going to figure it out. You know what I mean? So, um, Daryl's just over it and I don't know if Daryl was suggesting hey let's shut this place down and relocate everybody that actually could 
seems like a sensible idea, but my impression that he was just like, oh, fuck these people. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you don't, you, you don't think so? No, I think he has some, well, he's been traumatized by the sanctuary. Yeah. He's been traumatized by the sanctuary and he probably wants to get the hell out of there. Uh, who can blame him? And I also think that he's got some really good points, man. The road, the infrastructure is failing. It's really far away. It There is no fuel. It takes forever to get out there. Why are they keeping it around? Yeah. And the crops don't grow. Like, what are they doing out there, man? They're not making anything. They don't. It's not a factory anymore. And how are they going to support the people? He, right. And he tells Rick, he's like, back in the day, this place relied on, you know, Negan had people bring food to them. And are we going to keep that up forever? How long is that going to last? So I dig what he says. And I think they should move. I think, in fact, I think they should move to all three places. Uh, by the way, so do we know right now that... Alexandria is still going strong. So is Hilltop. We know that Oceanside is still around. Yep. And do we know that the kingdom is still around? Yeah. They mentioned something about the kingdom. I can't remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure that's yeah. where Ezekiel is. Yeah. Shut down the sanctuary and move everybody to other places. There's not that many people anymore. That's all I'm saying. Plus, well, Carol should be with with king ezekiel. ezekiel and right now she's at the sanctuary trying to make it work if you know what carol can make it work if anyone can make it work carol can make it work so um yeah i mean i think yeah i think if you're saying that daryl is saying let's relocate all these people that's sensible and something that rick should consider but i just think probably because in a tv show you need drama that what <laughs> yes. they were really getting at is that daryl was saying let's just give up on these people and rick was saying no i don't want to give up on these people you know what i mean i think that's uh, the yeah. conflict not let's relocate no let's not relocate yeah and that's and that's actually what maggie's saying what she implied too is you know she's like to rick at the end she's like you know well i don't see why we have to keep feeding them they yeah, surrendered exactly why yeah. are we still taking care of them yeah well that leads into my number th uh, four do it okay so it's the political situation and how that sort of reflects the growing discord between rick and maggie we're seeing the regrowth and evolution of society and not everyone is totally on the same page and it's interesting to me that to see that a lot, a lot of like how the lives of so many people will be directed and dictated or at least affected just based on the ideals of a few people. And in this case, I'm talking about Maggie and Rick and the people that directly influence them, because I think sometimes it's hard, it's hard to watch this episode, and not think about our own current politics and everything not to get really specific about it but i think maggie and rick have their own personal um points of view that are going to affect a lot of people so it comes down to the emotional realities of these two people that can be translated into directions for for a lot so it, what i'm getting at is maggie has this really hard situation in this episode yes uh, she does kid dies ken yep and kenny <laughs> Whoever Poor little he was. Kenny, yeah. Oh, you killed Kenny. She killed and, Kenny. <laughs> and uh, it's in. She has to be like this leader that has to answer to the loved ones when 
someone in her charge dies in the line of duty. And in this case, it's helping people who belong to this group that used to brutalize them and take half their stuff and also who brutally killed her husband. So it's like, what the fuck, man? Why, why is this happening? I can understand the parents being pissed off about that and wanting yep. answers. Why? And yep. you know, then he, they're saying Gregory's the one who said he'd always put Hilltop first. So it's like you, you have that impulse, like oh, take care of our people, not put ourselves on the line for these other people who threatened us before. So that's where she's coming from. Yeah. And this is like after a war, when you need to give foreign aid or you need to decide whether you're going to give foreign aid to the defeated country. Yes. <laughs> and you also have leaders that have gone down in power. Gregory, who called for an election, just lost the vote Yeah, to Maggie. I'm glad he called for the election because I think he probably thought he could win because he's a deluded fuck. Yes. Well, no, he's not a deluded fuck anymore. No, he's just a dead fuck. Oh, politics ain't easy and it is a messy (laughs) business. Yeah, case in point. So now here's Rick's point of view is his his son died telling him there has to be something after dad and, you know, trying to point him in the direction of helping and bringing people together. And he wants to keep everything thriving and peaceful among all the communities and he's committed to helping the people at sanctuary and i loved how a lot of them looked up to him as this heroic legendary (laughs) figure he's the one who stopped the war is negan suffering i hope he damn well is but then there's this contingent who's uh-huh. like, we're still saviors, which I like that. It's like, uh, yeah. yeah, you could see if you're, I mean, this sanctuary is falling apart as Daryl's pointed to. And they're like, well, why, why, sh-, you know, it was better under Negan like that, you know, that's kind <laughs> of like how the Russians ha- like after the, um, yeah, the cold war was over and then things, the economy didn't take off like it was supposed to. And people like, what, why did we give that up for this? So, it was better under Stalin. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyways, Rick asks Maggie to give more food to Sanctuary. She says she'll let the Hilltoppers work on this bridge, but which is essential to helping Sanctuary as well, but only give food if they provide most of the labor on the bridge and give her all the fuel from the corn. I think that's yep. the sticking point that Rick's like, oh, they're already suffering. Like, fuck, man, you're putting me in a really hard place here. So there's all this tension between them yep and then on top of that uh when gregory tries to kill her and she has him executed i think that was in part a message to rick like because she says you know at hilltop i want people to know that the punishment fits the crime and that's all about negan She's like, look, Rick, yeah. the punishment needed to fit the crime. This is this is how it should be. And I thought about Michonne. She was telling Rick in, in their pillow talk, let's have a charter, the famous Rick Grimes. Uh, <laughs> let's have a yeah. charter. And, you know, she says it pretty simple. We'll say this is what we believe. This is how we treat each other. And this is what happens when we don't, which sounds really simple. But Maggie upended all that because she's saying what I believe is totally different from what you believe and what happens when we don't treat each other well is different. So that's, there's just this huge schism between Rick and Mm -hmm. Maggie now, and it's only going to lead to 
Yes. Terrible things going forward. Well, she even said, and this was ominous, put the kids to bed. It's going to get dark soon. <laughs> yeah, really dark. Yeah. Yep. They yeah, did get great. dark. Um, and then so, the kids didn't go to bed either. <laughs> they went to bed and then they got up again. They were like, can yeah. we have a glass Shoots. of water? Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, you know, I was just playing that scene of when Herschel shot me with his magic shotgun and Nico Aww. was next to me. And I usually don't let him watch Walking Dead at all. But yeah. he's seven now. And I'm like, eh, I'm going to show him this because he actually totally doesn't really get scared by s- stuff like that. Yeah. And so I'm like, look at this. And he's all. That that's you. Are were you in a TV show? <laughs> <laughs> Daddy got to be shot yeah, several times cool. <laughs> and stabbed. I think it was an honor. <laughs> Daddy got a bonus for falling. <laughs> that's right. Fifty dollars. The stabbing so, was not yeah, in The Walking Dead, but yeah, it was something else. It was different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have a question I didn't quite understand this even though I watched it twice so she kills Gregory who is the mastermind I guess behind the scheme to overthrow her to yeah. you know he's he says oh Maggie you're out for a walk uh, oh and uh, hey uh, Glenn's grave has been desecrated and he knows that she'll walk over to the grave I guess and then the the um, friend in the hoodie, the father of the of Kenny, is waiting, and um, he j- attacks her. So he got off. It looks like he got off without any punishment. He was standing there with his head hanging and his shame. hands tied. But I don't yeah. know that. I mean, uh, he literally attacked her. And tried to kill her, but apparently he's not dead. So I'm wondering, she has a a, a funny little um, way to decide who dies, who doesn't. Yeah. Well, I guess she figured out, and it was pretty clear that Gregory was behind it. Sure. And it is interesting because a lot of times in our society, the foot soldiers take the heat and the people higher up who actually put it all in motion get away right and you have to go through these long trials and everything to get people to talk and squeal and give them immunity so you can finally get to the mastermind at the top oh maybe he squealed <laughs> so well yeah but i mean i just think maggie was like yeah forget all that i know who did it <laughs> <laughs> i figured it out it wasn't actually yeah. hard and i i don't need to uh, like i'm in charge i'm basically the king so or the queen uh, but anyway i i think well, pro- maybe we'll see if they deem it to be worth covering in the story that this guy won't just get off scot-free, but he won't get executed for what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they're suffering. Certainly they're suffering. And she can make a case for that. They just lost. They just lost Kenny. So they could make. She could make a case. Kenny for- will be back next week, though. He always is. <laughs> It'd be funny if they did that. I know. He shows up again and then he gets killed again. Aww, that would man. be so bold of the show to just like insidiously totally change what the show is little by little until it's like naked gun by the end of the season. <laughs> it would be fantastic. They'll never do it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was kind of my number three also. Okay. Well, my number three, which uh, kind of fits in, is just growth and and renewal and signs of that. 
And you mentioned the opening sequence, but yes, I thought it was totally badass. Yeah. That the the Walking Dead when it first started, I think the opening sequence was super boring. It was like showing I don't know what it was showing, but I remember thinking, I can't wait till this is over every time. <laughs> <laughs> and then it got wow. pretty good when they changed uh-huh. it to start showing the like their items, the gun yes. and the bullet and what else, the crossbow and all that. But this one is just another level of amazing awesomeness because of the the choppy animated look and Yep. My favorite though is I mean they show different things from the past and present of the show, the helicopter, the crossbow, the overgrowth and all that. But I like how it focuses on the zombies a little bit. There's one standing at this break in a wall, and then there's uh, at the very end, it's the camera pans out from a zombie's glowing eye and then pans around it, and he's got this awesome zombie stance. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's just another sign that the show remembers that, oh, yeah, zombies are cool. Let's focus on the coolness of the zombies. Zombies really are cool. <laughs> they really are. But they, that wall that the zombie was in the middle of, uh, it was written near it said final warning. And I think that's the Alexandria wall. So that's some kind of a sign of something to come. Oh, I don't know. Did you notice that the gate to Alexandria has changed? It's now a log, a giant sort of log beam with um, spears all around okay. it. And it goes back, you know, you can sort of pull it back and, and push it forward. And uh, so it's a, a zombie gate now, which I thought was great. That's, yeah, that's great. Get, that all goes back to Morgan. They learned a lot from him, I think. With his stabby, stabby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and then just as far as growth and renewal, I mean, it's the show's called A New Beginning, the episode. It's Angela Kang, this new opening there's overgrowth all throughout the episode in Washington, D.C. and even in Alexandria. It's the first time the Walking Dead logo has not. It, every time before this, each year it yep. decays a little bit more. Now yep. it's got mossiness to it. A green, greenish hue. Greenish hue. And there's the focus on women. I mean, the show, especially in recent years, has always been notable for its strong women. But just seeing Carol, Maggie, and Michonne walking together was an awesome scene, right? Yep, yep. And talking about democracy and everything and not showing Negan. That was also a statement and even focus on Judith a little bit. And I think this little girl actress that plays Judith is great. I'm pretty sure they were just like playing with her and filming it and not, she didn't even have any lines because when she said Rick had a big belly and Denai Greer started laughing, I felt that was really genuine. So I'd be really impressed if that was planned out. (laughs) Super cute. Yeah. Daddy has a frowny face. So just having a feeling that, yes, the thing that we hope for that the show really is trying to strike out in a new direction Mm -hmm. gives me a lot of hope for the rest of the season. And baby Glenn or baby Herschel. Yeah. Little Asian baby. Half Asian. Yeah. So cute. (laughs) Oh, that baby is super, super cute. (laughs) Hmm. Cute. So, yeah, that's also, you know, rebirth and and renewal and and hope and the future. I was looking at that. Until he dies. Until he dies. That's, yeah. Sorry. It's The Walking Dead. That's horrible. Okay, <laughs> what were you saying? I said it when I was looking at the little baby, I was thinking, wow, what kind of world is, you know, just trying to imagine the kind of world a little kid like that would be growing up in. I know. Yeah, it would just be normal. Yeah. 
It's normal. And you'd hear about how it was before. You'd hear about this before time. And it would just seem like a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think the zombies would seem super scary. They would just be more like how we think of wild animals, which is kind of scary, but not in the same way as zombies. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you go into if you go out hiking in a park in some of these really uh, out back parks, you might come across bears and so you right. carry a you know bear spray or whatever and you think about that you think about hiding your food and protecting mm. yourself from wild animals and it would probably be the same way you're right what's your what number two my number two is a really short one but this is another thing that i really wanted to see and we finally got to see it washington dc i was wondering for a long time, ever since they arrived in Alexandria. I'm like, show Washington, D.C. Show it, show it, show it, show it, show it. And we finally got to see it. So it was great. And it looks like I, I sort of froze on a couple of things. Uh, they show the Capitol building. Uh, the Capitol building looks bad. They showed the Washington Monument, which looks like it got some damage at the very top of it. That's the white obelisk. Giant, giant, yeah, tall, course, tall, yeah. tall thing. Um, and it looks like it has some some damage at the very top, which makes me think that maybe there was some sort of air fight, some sort yeah, of... Yeah, because if it's two years later, the buildings aren't going to look like it's 150 or several hundred. It's not going to be like ancient Rome. And I think my suspicion is that th- that they're not thinking about that there was some fight, maybe, but... I feel like they're just like, what would look cool? It doesn't matter if it's real. But maybe you're right. Maybe there were bombs. You know, they tried to bomb bomb the zombies out or something. I don't know. The reflecting pool looked like it was full of weeds, (laughs) which makes sense also. Mm -hmm. It just looked great. Yeah. And I was so glad to see it. I mean, not glad, but I was like, ah, there it is. It's new. It's fresh. Mm -hmm. It's also like, dude, yeah, of course. Go there. They're right next to it. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like they would. They would be going there because it's full of universities, it's full of hospitals, it's full of useful things that they would need. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they would go there on occasion. And so I'm glad they went there and visited a Me nice too. museum, which I would do too <laughs> if I were in Washington, D.C. I'd go to a nice museum. Yeah, yeah. It's something new. And I I've, I think I've <laughs> said many times on this podcast, I like when they go into more populated areas. And I think it's probably not done as much because it's more expensive to film, but right. it's cool. It's super cool. It makes me also sad because I thought, wow, all right, there is no government. I mean, maybe there is a government in like Denver, Colorado, or maybe it's up in Wyoming. Maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe there's some big uh, thriving metropolis in Canada or somewhere else in the world, but it ain't in Washington, D.C. Right. It's wherever, I guess it was in 2010. So it's like Joe Biden and I don't know. Whoever's left. (laughs) Zombie Joe Biden. Yeah, zombie Joe Biden. Okay. Well, my number two, a little bit on Gregory because Gregory's dead. He is. Isn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super dead. I sort of wondered that because in hangings, usually there's a, a really hard drop and then a snap. And it seemed instead like him, they just kind of let him hang there and he just died immediately. He and swung. Then Did when you... they cut him down, I'm like, he's dead, right? I mean, I, f- I figured he was, but it was a little He might weird. be the zombie. 
the zombie right. Gregory. Oh, but yeah. did did you notice that they put that at one point the camera was sort of behind him and you could see him sort of swing in front of the camera? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Maggie should have executed him? Nope. I don't. I think it was super harsh and super fast. I know she was angry, but I don't think that's a great way to run your society. Mm-hmm. I think that he should have, there should be rules. There should be a structure in place. If you break the rules, you get, we know that there's jails. Yeah. So, and, and at the least, maybe at least consulted somebody else. Yeah. 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 To see, take she, the temperature. She seems like she's uh, a, a one woman justice system. And I right. think that that is a very bad path to go down. So, no, I don't think she should. Yeah. I guess I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a lot of pushback on that from listeners. But Gregory's a weasel, but he's not a dangerous weasel once you've outed. And he seems like he's kind of a dumb weasel. Mm. So once you've outed his dumb weaselly plans, you're not in much danger from him. Yeah. I mean, you could uh, at this point just say you're out of here. Yeah. Good luck, yeah. buddy. Good luck. Here's uh, here's a little knapsack. Uh, good luck. Sta- go for go for uh, double tap. <laughs> Cardio, Gregory. Cardio. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, I maintain that Xander Berkeley is great and I think he's done such an awesome job with his character and um as much as personally I think maybe that was excessive for for Maggie to do I think for the show and where she's at it was it was a cool development and um this stuff played out I think Lucy and Derek will say and co- we'll talk about it a lot in comic talk but it played out over a much greater period in the comics, I think, uh-huh. or at least longer. So I thought, oh, this is going to be a season eight. I mean, an episode eight thing mid-season. <laughs> and it happened in the first episode. And I thought, ooh, I wonder if this means that Angela Kang is aware that we're, one of the big criticisms is things move too slow. So she's speeding things along. Ah, uh, good. Or is it just that Lauren Cohan doesn't have that many more episodes left? <laughs> and so they had yeah. to get through this, you know? Yeah. I hope it's more the first one because that would be awesome that she's just like, let's get through some story versus dwelling on things too much. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But I just want to, like, in um, honor of. Gregory, I will play my favorite clip. Here it is. Rhetorical. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are we sorry to see him go? Rhetorical. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not really. I mean, oh, I'm like, Gregory. yeah, he was great, but okay, good. Enough of him. <laughs> He's a weasel. <laughs> okay. What's number one? It's funny. Okay. So. Breaking through the glass floor. <laughs> <laughs> women breaking through the glass floor. Floor. Oh, is that good? I think so. <laughs> it really wasn't. If a you woman stand ever. on your head. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So back in the museum, and uh, I, I, I loved it. I loved the whole glass floor thing. I loved that you look beneath the glass floor and there are zombies swimming around uh, as it's if it's an exhibit yeah 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 exactly like is that it, real by the way in that museum 
I imagine well, they it didn't is. Fil- they didn't film it uh, at the museum, and I don't even think they tried to make it look like that. I mean, they, they tried to make it look, they, they put up banners and things like that, but I don't think that that's in the actual okay. American um, History Museum in Washington, D.C. They filmed it at the state capitol in Atlanta, Georgia. And oh, okay, okay. the inside was all a big studio. I believe that was just a giant set piece. And but I've seen those those giant glass floors, and um, they scare me because I am terrified of heights. <laughs> Even one floor, it it uh, makes me um, gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. I don't. I've heard of exhibits in places like I guess it's Vegas, where you can walk out over a skyway. Oh, or um, Japan. It- in uh, Grand Canyon, you can do it oh, now. Yes, yes, exactly. That you couldn't paint. There's not enough money in the world to get me out there. You'd have to really push me. Or I'm playing. Possibly drag me. <laughs> I'm playing and push you out there. I'm playing uh, Spider-Man game right now, and uh-huh. it's just incredible. They've recreated Manhattan, and each building is unique, and you can visit the Empire State or the cool. um, what's the new building. Uh, the freedom tower or whatever. Yeah. Right. And they have like Avengers tower. So they put Marvel buildings in there. (laughs) But when you, you climb up to the top and you look down and see all the cabs and people below, and then you jump off to swing (laughs) and it's, you get a feeling of vertigo as Spider-Man. It's like, I don't want to jump off a perfectly good village. Yeah. 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 Or like when uh, Indiana Jones had to step out, on uh, out into nothing to take a leap of faith oh, in order yeah, to yeah. get the holy grail in the holy grail yeah anyways breaking through the glass floor one thing although i loved it i thought it was great i really enjoyed the whole thing i and and appreciated the drama of it all i i didn't like the fact that you could they they gave you an overhead shot and the overhead shot, you can see that all they needed to do for this, like maybe not the covered wagon, but for everything else, all you need to do is go off to either side and you're on solid ground. So it. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like, oh, are we back in stupid, like uh, uh-huh. Department of Suspension Disbelief territory here a little bit? <laughs> like, I don't, don't know. Don't show us an overhead, a beautiful overhead shot. I love the overhead shot. Don't show us that gorgeous overhead shot where you can really see that all they need to do is step to one side. So I know that it's they have to fill an hour, but. Uh, still good lord (laughs) well that big cart was pretty unwieldy and yes it was a stairway and yeah and and you know what they could have done they could also have i mean rick grimes was right there at the very at the very edge you know right there at the front of the cart and i was thinking rick just put a rope on it and pull from the safety of the solid ground instead of the crackling glass walking across it at least they had they showed him walking like try to walk on the steel beams like over on the steel beams but ezekiel could have also they were like oh it's giving way and ezekiel fell perfectly through one of the (laughs) one of the squares of glass like ezekiel and and then they had that sweet scene afterwards where he proposed to her and she was like, nope, it's not A, I don't want to B, we're on horseback. <laughs> yeah, dude, come on. Well, that leads me into my number one, which is Carol, Daryl, and Ezekiel triangle. <laughs> Ooh, you think <laughs> but, that's a triangle? No, I don't, which is actually what's, what's great. Well, first off, 
yes, Ezekiel breaks through this glass, almost dies, and then we see them kiss. And that was, I thought, a really cool way to reveal that they had gotten together and yeah. we don't have to go through the whole beginning stages of it. I mean, that's weird with Carol, though. Same thing with Tobin. Like, we never see her strike up a relationship. We just see her in the midst of surprise relationships. Who yes. is it going to be next? <laughs> <laughs> right, surprise. And that also, things don't go well for anybody involved with Carol. Yeah, so far. So far. Ed, Ed, Ed didn't do so great. And Ed did not do well. <laughs> Tobin. Um, but anyway, I wanted to see them together and it was nice and it's a good it's a good yeah. couple. We've yeah. we have actually seen them, you know, skirt around it for a long time. They had great chemistry right from the start yeah. when they when he revealed himself to her in the garden uh, uh in the kingdom. So to and- speak, yeah. <laughs> he revealed his innermost self. Got it. Got it. <laughs> it was sweet, yes. and I love it. And so mm-hmm. I wanted, I want to see them be happy together. But then I also was like, oh shit, they're happy. He's gonna give her a ring. Yeah, I know. Like, well, oh, the best no, part man. is he proposes to her, and she's clearly in love with him but her response still is i'm gonna move somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) you could totally believe that because she's guarding she guards her heart she's been through a lot yes yeah but i you know she's still giving him a big warm kiss at the end so she's just taking her time and i think she'll be open to it and we'll get another proposal by the end of the season and tells jerry take care of him (laughs) yeah but uh i thought the proposal was particularly meek and anticlimactic yes compared to what you would think ezekiel would do and i think that's purely because if he had made this grand gesture and then you know for purposes of the plot she says no then it would have just seemed really sad so instead he just like looks over and hey you want to get married (laughs) right (laughs) like like... a dopey guy Uh, (laughs) but anyway then i saw right here what about it but then uh, with Carol and Daryl, it was nice to have them have another scene together. I feel yeah. like that's a little bit giving fans what they obviously want, but it was it was done well. And I like that Daryl made fun of her a little bit. Does he snore fancy too? And, <laughs> nah, he's all right. He's a bit corny, but I'm happy for you. If anyone deserves to be happy, it's you and all this. And so I love that scene because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now Carol's in a relationship with someone else and and people wonder about Carol and Daryl all the time. Will they, won't they, what is their relationship really? And her being in a, in a, um, having a boyfriend doesn't change them at all. They're still just the same. They have the same deep intimate friendship that they always had, which I think is awesome. I also like that her response to him, um, saying corny um i like that she said you know corny's kind of nice she's been through after what she's been through with ed yep yeah me too i, I almost like cried at that yeah <laughs> that she wants me. nice she wants yeah. sweet i'm like you deserve that carol <laughs> yeah yeah and he's he's a great guy mm-hmm. and then i like that she see maybe he told her but we didn't see it but she sees somehow that daryl is not happy leading these saviors and she's like well i need my space and i think you could use a break here so yeah uh, i'll take over for you that's great for all kinds of reasons yeah for what I, what i just said also because it shows her confidence and her yep. level of engagement like yeah, oh. i can do this she can she can put them in place. <laughs> yeah. She can do anything. Lean in, Carol. And it's going to be fun. I mean, I'm like really interested to see how that's going to go too. So Me too. Cool development there. 
Yeah, exactly. Last, Daryl. So yeah, it was interesting to have him in charge of Sanctuary because it seemed poetically cool because he used to be a captive there and was tortured and now he's in charge. But it was good to see that, yeah, he's not the type to try and build up and run a community and it really wasn't working for him. And that seems true to the character. So yeah, that's not him. Yeah. So I, uh, I love that too. Can good. I, can I say two quick things about Daryl that I loved? Yeah. One, I love that he has a spear holder on his motorcycle. <laughs> I think that that's incredibly badass. I also loved that when they were on that muddy road and it, and Daryl's uh, and it's time to fight the zombies that Daryl pulls out his knife and gives it a quick little spin and I love that. Did you see it? No. It was really fast. He gives it a quick little twirl and it looked it looked like a gunslinger. It would look great. He's such a Fonzie. He is. He's totally a Fonzie. <laughs> and but it worked. I was like, yeah, I'm, cool. I'm there. That's Super it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Oh, do you go let's do notes. I'm done with my number one. Got any notes? I those were my notes. Okay. I gave you my notes. I got a few. I just wrote Seeing Andrew Lincoln, my heart hurts because <laughs> I oh. we're just counting down until the end. And yeah, it, you know, yeah, few more episodes here. We don't know exactly oh. when, but could be next week. Who knows? Well, he's. Uh, I heard that he came back and like directed an episode. He came back to shadow a director because he wants to come back in season 10 and direct more. See, that's nice. Yeah. And he said he just couldn't stay away from the story. He might so, come back in a flashback. Maybe too. he'll yeah, accidentally fall in front of the camera while he's directing. And we'll get to see him. <laughs> that will probably happen. Yes. <laughs> uh, let Let's see. Or maybe he'll like he'll die this season, and then he'll be a zombie, and Daryl will keep him hold up and go. You know, try to like have drinks and play cards with him, and then <laughs> when it's Andrew Lincoln's turn to direct, he can play zombie yes. Rick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what else? Um, it was a cute scene with Gabriel laughing yes. at the zombie as the last stage in evolution of man. Yep, I love that too. <laughs> I love that he said it's intelligent design, which is sort of a religion joke. And that uh, Anne replies that it's the de-evolution of man. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So I liked her comment, but I didn't totally get his because intelligent design is all about just saying basically that God is directing things and he's laughing at that. But if he's a religious man and he thinks that God is directing things and this is the ultimate result, wouldn't that, that wouldn't be a reason to laugh. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, he, be horrified. maybe he sort of laughed in a sort of a sad chuckle more than anything <laughs> else. Like, like that is funny. But either way, it was cute. I liked seeing them two together. And I like seeing Anne with her more like human being like haircut and just using full sentences and everything. So I'm totally yes. curious to get more from her. She's a, She is a very compelling actress. And I love every scene she's in now. I'm like, yeah. I want to see more of her. Well, she's also a really cool person, by the way, at the conventions and stuff. Oh, yeah. She's really nice and fun and everything comes across and then last uh i just when michonne and rick first got together and they had their kind of sex scene and i just didn't think it was i didn't like how it was filmed it seemed unnatural to me really uh, yeah 
we talked about it. You it mean? just yeah, on the, we added a podcast, Walking Dead cast, where we talked <laughs> about that episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't anything about those two characters because I always wanted them to get together. And I think that they uh, had great chemistry all the time. I just didn't like that the way that scene was staged or something. Sorry, you um, meant back in the day. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Back when it first happened. But this scene when they're in bed together, yes. uh, they just seemed, I mean, and, and several scenes since, but this is a little bit more of a sexy scene than we usually see with them. Uh, I thought it was really natural and yep. it was just really heartwarming to see them together and cute that she was teasing mm-hmm. him about being the famous Rick Grimes and then you can tell yeah. they're about to get busy and everything. So um, I don't know. There, there, to me, there was a stark difference between that first scene and this scene and this scene. I'm like, oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It was great. It was great. Yeah, it was seeing nice. them together. I would completely agree. <laughs> That's all I got. Well. I have one. I have one. Sorry, I, I do actually have one cool. note. Let's hear it. Yeah, I love the moment with Cindy from Oceanside and uh-huh. Daryl at the museum, and she's looking at the canoe, and Daryl walks up to her and says, "You need a hand with that." And she tells him the story about her brother, and she clearly misses her brother. And they they never talk about grief much on the show. It's heavily implied in a lot of a lot of times, but they don't they don't talk about it that that much and now that they aren't fighting an all-out war they sort of have more time to character build and maybe reflect on the stuff that's left behind and everything that's changed and and who they grieve so with cindy talking about her brother in the canoe and then daryl talked about the people that you know who he wishes were still there with him it was really nice and probably part of that is this time of year it's been a year now since i i lost my dad and and it's one of those things that grief, you can't predict it, you can't control it. It just is a natural part of who you are after you lose somebody that you really, really love. And I like that that was in the show this time. And mm-hmm. it's not always. So I missed it. And I'm glad that they've now decided to do a little more character building. And I'm glad it's back. Yeah, that's Sydney Park. Cindy Park. And Oh, she, I thought her name was Cindy. Her name... Her name is Cindy. You're right. And her her real name is Sydney. So oh. that's why I'm confused. Park. <laughs> Anyways, but my point is just, I think the actress did a great job with that. And and yeah. I'm wondering if you, you saw her looking like that and just kind of identify with it. Oh, like, yeah, that feeling yep. creeps up on me sometimes too. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's creeped up on me lately. And so I, I saw her mourning her brother <laughs> and I thought, yep, I, I get it, girl. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. That shows that it makes the show feel more real. Yep. Makes it for a richer show for sure. All right, let's take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the sea. Praise for the morning, praise for them springing, fresh from the world. Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. 
or people it kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. Okay, so first off, we have started fresh with our Game of Thrones coverage. We were in the middle of a rewatch, and we're back at it. And it's House Podcastica is the name of our new Game of Thrones podcast. And it was actually kind of a cool place where we where we ended up because we're coming back with the Red Wedding episode, which is season three, episode nine. And that is Kristen and me and David on that one. And you guys hit it out of the park. It was Thank such a you. good episode. I loved it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah, it felt really good. And David, I mean, anything David's on is fantastic. <laughs> so a nice thing to say. And, and, and Kristen, good Lord. Yeah, she's awesome. She really she is. She is. So it was, it, and it also, I, I, you know, been Jones and get back to Game of Thrones, but also being away from it for so long, you forget how good it is when you go back and start watching it again. It's like, oh yeah. So I totally recommend you guys who were listening to us before that you uh, get back into it, but you have to find this new podcast. And if you go to housepodcastica.com, that'll show you all the different, or just, you know, wherever you want to listen to it. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. Uh, Kristen Arima did the next following episode, the season's, three finale so that's out too and then next week Kristen and lucy formerly <gasps> of walking dead cast well and still because she's she's still around but anyway if you like her she's going to be doing uh, season four episode one with Kristen next week i think yeah that's great Thank Woo. You. yeah Woo. stoked Moving about that top. uh next the first episode of doctor who with jodie whittaker starting <laughs> as the doctor came out did you see that yes i haven't seen it I but i'm so loved. excited it really yeah i was telling i was telling david it's amazing how much like the doctor she is i mean i guess that's a dumb thing to say they're all the doctor but you never know yeah how it's gonna play yeah the last doctor didn't do it for me all that much i i was you know i jumped in during the matt smith era and he for me is my he's my starter point but then (laughs) you know david Tennant, anything he's in i i think he's dreamy um, so though I, I wanted her to be in the David Tennant, Matt Smith model and, and she, she is, she's okay. great. Yeah. Nice. I loved it. That's cool. That's cool. I can't wait to watch it. I just haven't had time, but I thought I'd mention it next at New York comic con, which re- happened recently. The stars and showrunners of Cobra Kai were on a panel. That's the uh-huh. karate kid TV show Your reboot that, or re, yeah sequel that was on recent last year and they showed a clip of season two so apparently I, I haven't seen the clip but a lot of it takes place in Mr. Miyagi's old home where we saw the garden in oh. last year but um, apparently it's now Miyagi do- dojo and Daniel LaRusso has converted it to his dojo so that uh, season two is slated to premiere in the summer of 2019 next year and the only thing that that has to do with The Walking Dead is that uh, there's one Walking Dead podcaster who loves it, and that's me. <laughs> and once you talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and I want to do a podcast about it, and probably should. Uh, but now on to actual Walking Dead news. So Xander Berkeley was interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter talking about his death. He said, it was in the comic book, so people would say to me, do you know about that? Have you seen the comic book? And I would say, yeah, that's why I took this job. I was always looking forward to the hanging because it was death yeah. that I, it was a death that I had yet to experience, and I've made my living dying. 
Wow. Wow. Has he really? Has he been like killed off in a lot of things? I think he's played a lot of bad guys. Yeah. And speaking of that, he well, he played the traitorous secret service agent in Air Force One. He's one of those guys that you're like, oh, yeah, that was him. You know, so Air Force One is this movie where I think Harrison Ford plays the president. It's like this action movie. But um, he's about playing bad guys. He said, in a way, the cheering for the demise or the volume of the booze is an indication of your having made an impact on an audience. You don't always have to make an impact through warming the heart. But but with that said, by his own admission, Berkeley had hoped to work his way into viewers' hearts during the course of his time on The Walking Dead. He admits to a certain level of yearning for redemption on Gregory's part, a hope that went largely unfulfilled. Quote, it's hard with a show like this that's so emotionally affecting over the years. The characters work their way into your hearts and you do feel empathy for so many of them and the situations they find themselves in that in a way I think the concern at one time or another might have been that you could come off as a one-dimensional actor if your character wasn't allowed to show the dimension of humanity that we associate with becoming empathic and somehow compassionate or someone capable of redemption at some point. And he was anticipating like me that the arc with uh, Gregory would be longer and was surprised to find out that it was shortened and he would die in the, in the premiere. But um, he says, despite his initial disappointment over that, he was, ultimately satisfied with how it played out that's what he says a horse too <laughs> oh it wasn't even like he was standing on a chair and they kicked the chair out you you slapped the butt of the horse oh yeah <laughs> you're using horses for all kinds of things yes <laughs> even you know uh poor kenny died saving a horse right that's yeah. why he went back and i thought they have so much trouble figuring out how to make the zombies a real threat. That's actually a decent one. Like he just kind of um, impulsively ran back because he wanted to save his horse and yeah. that got him in trouble. So I thought that was that was pretty good. It, it's a sad thing. It's like somebody running back into a burning building to save, you know, their, their cat. cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I would totally do that, I hope. <laughs> I hope. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I would. Maybe. You've got a cute cat, man. I mean, he's so gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, Angela Kang was interviewed by Deadline. My favorite question, they said, well, it's interesting anyway. They said, you and others have mentioned how Lauren leaves at the first half of the season. Does Andrew leave at the first half of the season or the second half? She says, out of respect for Andrew's wishes, I can't say. He wanted the audience to not know exactly which episode, despite leaks out there. So that's cool. I like that. Oh. Like, there will at least be some amount of surprise in it for us. I'm actually glad that we know because that's too big to have as a shock surprise. Yeah. 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 I think I agree. I agree. I'm glad that they tell us. But I'm glad also that we don't know which episode so that there's still some element of surprise and mystery about it. Now, every time he does something scary, it's going to have real consequences, you know? It's always been like, ah, they'll never kill him. They'll never kill him. And now I'm like, oh, it's going to have real consequences. I know. I mean, if they really wanted to mess with us, they should have like a near-death episode in every (laughs) experience in every episode. (laughs) This is it? Oh, no. It's not (laughs) it. (laughs) Totally fine. Uh, Norman Reedus was interviewed by Deadline. He says, not only is Angela Kang now in charge and killing it, but we have a bunch of new writers, a bunch of new actors, a bunch of new directors, and they're all women. You know, I've said it before. We did a couple of seasons where it was sort of male driven and you end up with two main characters sort of chest bumping saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. 
<laughs> Women don't really chest bump what I found out. And if they say they're going to kill you, you should probably fucking hide. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Every guy out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen to Norman Reedus. Uh, next, during the Walking Dead panel at New York Comic Con on Saturday, Robert Kirkman announced that the final episode of. So did you hear about the Telltale Games thing? Yes. Yeah, they all yeah. got fired on yep. a Friday and had yep. a half an hour to yep. get out with no severance. Crazy. And the Walking Dead game, which is episodic, had only released one episode and the second one was released, I think, the next day because it was all ready to go. But there were two more in the can, or not in the can, but two more in development. And so anyways, um, Kirkman announced that those final episodes will be released via his company, Skybound. Oh. And he's going to hire members of the original Telltale game team nice. to finish it. I don't know if he can hire all of them, but some of them anyway, to finish it the way the fans deserve. So I think that's awesome if, that you know. Is. Yeah. I'm I'm really impressed and I'm really glad. Yeah, that's cool. During that same panel, Kirkman was talking about Judith. He says, I tried to kill that damn baby it's not even a baby anymore. I have pitched the death of Judas so many times. It's not even funny. <laughs> it is actually kind of funny. He's, he's, I know. He knows it's funny. But he said he's pitched it a lot and the writers always talk him out of no. it or say no. Can't kill a baby. Then he goes, I will say when you see season nine, you'll be as happy as I am that no one listens. There's some really cool stuff coming in with Judith. Judith's a very fun character. It's cool having a kid running around the zombie apocalypse. We do some interesting stuff with her this season. Then he says, I was wrong to want to kill her every season from season three on. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. I'm sorry. I I love it. (laughs) All right. That's it for the news. Let's move on to listener moans, groans, and grunts. So there's so many messages, of course. It's our first episode back, and we can't include them all. And some of these are even edited for brevity. But I want to thank everyone for writing in and keep keep on writing in. And the first one comes from Christina Wiggins, who writes, The season premiere completely blew me away. The characters were we love so much were refreshed. I love the scene with Michonne, Rick, and Judith. Michonne looks so different to me. She has this glow. Wow, she really she really did. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. She looks so happy. And Rick looked happy too. It was great to see Carol and Ezekiel find love in each other. Gabriel looked as creepy as ever with that uh with that eye. Everything about the episode was great. I love how they show the old world look uh, look deteriorating from the bridge to the plants starting to take over the city buildings. I am so sad to see Andrew Lincoln leaving the show, but this gives me a fresh outlook on the show, and I'm excited to see where the stories take us. I can't wait to hear your opinion on the first episode. Go, Angela Kang. Girls rule. Ooh, thanks, Christina. I agree. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, how we feel. Steve Brown says, really good season premiere. I love Xander Berkeley's portrayal of Gregory. Pouring a drink for a recovering alcoholic is despicable, almost as bad as weaponizing said alcoholic. So I guess he's saying uh, Earl, Ken's dad, was an alcoholic. I didn't catch that but yeah yeah he he offered both of them a bottle of whatever and then he's like oh i forgot and okay okay yeah and she took it um the the morning mother oh so sad it's sad to see 
Um, so Gregory's a total asshole. I, I actually, <laughs> mi- I love that. As you guys know, he's my George Costanza of the series and, and I'll miss him. <laughs> Mark Kirkman writes, uh, there were so many happy things going on. It made me smile ear to ear as I watched the episode. King Ezekiel and Carol and the cute loving banter between them. Plus Gregory being hanged at the end. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sick guy, Mark Kirkman. <laughs> William Sharnagle says, Greg Nicotero, once again, awesome work. Legend since Day of the Dead. Love the opening credits. <clears throat> Maggie has taken a darker path as Gregory learned. Don't mess with a mommy shark. <laughs> Loving the tension between all of our core group. Can't wait to see what's coming up this season. Only thing that worries me is that The Walking Dead may be drawing to a close now that we're losing two huge stars. I honestly believe season 10 will be the last. Hopefully I'm wrong and this season will get people excited again and they can see further down the road. Well, actually, I hope you're right. And I hope they wrap it up in season 10 and they do it in an amazingly satisfying way. But yeah, either one of those two would be fine. Jeff Allen writes, okay, so I don't know if it's Angela King's hand in this or if it's just that I've watched 16 episodes of piss poor writing with Fear the Walking Dead, but this episode was amazing. I'm absolutely loving the whole rebuild direction they're going. Quick top five here. The Spider Walker. I have no problems with spiders, but uh, I basically had to change my shorts after that scene. The new title <laughs> sequence, just holy shit, that was incredible. So that was a very quick top five. In I, fact, I, I called I that a top five. I cut some two. of that out and I shouldn't have <laughs> left the quick top five in. <laughs> my fault. I love it. It was a super but, quick top anyway. five. It was only top two. Because <laughs> there's only two. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Pake Allen says, I really enjoyed this premiere. It was a little cheesy in parts, but it added to the good, lighter feel of the episode. Well, as light as an episode that ends with a public hanging. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) I knew we're all sick and twisted at this point. I knew the thing with Gregory was coming, but I really expected them to build it up a few episodes. But nope, they got that shit done with. Actually liked that pacing a lot. Hopeful for what Kang has in store for us this season. Yep. Agreed. Evan Brookman writes, I really liked it, except I kept thinking maybe they should kill Rick now. Or (laughs) this part would be a good place to kill Rick. What if Rick fell down the steps and died? It (laughs) happens. Oh, shit. Michonne is about to kill Rick in the bedroom. (laughs) 70s porn music. Worst ways to go. Alas, none of those distractions came to fruition. I guess we'll keep him for at least one more episode. Hmm. This really didn't bug me much. Maybe he dies between episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Next week, there's a, yeah, there's a gravestone. With- like, oh, God, that was terrible. That thing that happened. Yeah, that was bad. And then they never talk about what it was. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> this really didn't bug me much because I'm guessing uh, I'm guessing trying to rent one of the Smithsonian museums for real was an expensive prospect. Oh, he must have said something about how um, he knew that it wasn't the American History Museum. Since I really do love the Smithsonian Museums and encourage people to visit them if possible, I just want to say I don't be put off by the scale of pseudo-Smithsonian used in the show. Um, the for real Smithsonian are actually Smithsonian are actually several very large museums, most of which border the sides of the National Mall. No matter your opinion of DC and the snakes that reside there past, present, and future. It's worth spending a few days there for the Smithsonian alone. I love the Smithsonian, Evan. I completely agree. And I think that particular museum is free. So um, it's just, I mean, if you happen to be there, you want to go into a free museum, the American History Museum is one of the great ones. Yeah, I like that. Matt, uh, Moss Thompson says, I can't understand Daryl's viewpoint. It changes so many times and I hate to be (laughs) 
looking at him as the bad guy. But yeah, yeah, I get it. The show can't all be about peace and love. Yeah, yeah. But I, I see Daryl's viewpoint for sure. Alyssa Stout writes, Gregory is literally the worst person ever. Glad to see him go. He's not the worst person ever. I think we've established that that's Megan. <laughs> Love the new title sequence. It looks so comic book. My only beef is that uh, we've gone the past two, uh, two, maybe three seasons without seeing Maggie show any part of her pregnancy. And bam, now there's baby. Say what? <laughs> I feel like we were very deprived of the birth of Herschel. Um, although it is a nice touch that she named uh, him that, especially now that Scott Wilson has passed. Yeah. Yeah. It was sweet. Yeah, we did a little time jump. So we did. Happened. We mm-hmm. did. We had two seasons of Baby Bump and then Baby. There wasn't a Baby Bump. <laughs> Not even a Baby Bump. No, really. no Baby Bump. She didn't have to put up <laughs> with any of the prosthetics at all. There's a tongue twister in there somewhere. Yes. No baby bump. Leanne Hicks says, maybe it was my mood, but it felt like a slog to get through. Some of the dialogue was too cutesy and didn't feel like those characters anymore. The only emotional reaction I had was seeing the dedication to Scott Wilson. Mm. There were a couple of emails like that, too. People thought it was boring. Yeah. Most people liked it, though. All Out War. When you go from season after season of All Out War to um, just trying to get stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. Also, really this episode you had to get into the whole really politics of the groups yeah and if you're not into that and you're more into zombie adventure i mean they did have some zombie adventure too but really the core of it was the tension and the politics between the groups because of the things i mentioned about why there's discord and if you don't give a shit about that then you're not going to like the new direction of the show I, i i think that's it exactly i yeah Kristen hall writes really great first episode feels fresh and new with all the same characters. I'm really loving the direction both shows seem to be taking with removing a central lead character. While Rick is still the same central voice of the show, I can see the elements forming into a true ensemble. It, it'll it take a minute to adjust, but I really feel positive about the season. The episode had intensity, quietness, surprise for those who don't know about Gregory's demise. Yeah, I didn't know. I'm in. Looking forward to seeing what Karen thinks for sure. I thought more than Karen, once... I think. <laughs> no, I thought more than once last night that Karen was going to appreciate the episode for a few different reasons. One being the noted absence of Negan. Yay! Rawr! <laughs> so from uh, now on, our Patreon subscribers will get a special episode where all my stuff is edited out. So you can just hear what Karen, Karen thinks. Yeah, just me laughing. <laughs> God. Yeah. It's like just a, you a laughing. special place in hell where all you hear is me laughing. <laughs> just kidding, Kristen. Thank you. That's a great <laughs> message. Rachel Teal says, "said Wait, I can't read this one because I don't watch. Um, what do you call it? Um, Anchorman. Uh, no. Oh, is that what that is? Anchorman. Ron, uh, Ron Burgundy's voice. Yeah. What? How does he sound? I can't do him. I can't. I'm terrible at voices. Is sorry. that uh, Will Ferrell? Yeah. Oh, a- as know. as an anchorman, boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. <laughs> This is a side of Maggie we haven't seen, and I have to say she's never been more interesting to me. Something tells me that she actually isn't quite ready to be queen of Hilltop, though. Tyrannical much? The political (laughs) science major in me came out in full force. See, this is what happens when there's no oversight, Uh and this is why we have three branches of government. Well, sort of. Believe me, (laughs) I hate Gregory as much as anyone else, and he definitely deserved a gruesome death, but it just seemed like a really big leap. If we're going old school, maybe put him in a pillory. 
<laughs> make more jail cells and stick them in one. Maggie's not on board with Rick's grand plan, and that makes for an interesting story. So I'm not complaining. Story. But damn, girl. Yeah, like, yeah, that's this is right exactly where we're supposed to be. Like, oh, shit. Yes, exactly. And it's foreboding. I mean, it's it's not good. Mm-hmm. Teresa Terrell writes, it worked for me. I like that someone said no to Rick. Maggie is a good leader because she can draw a line. So, all right, there's that. <laughs> when Rick goes uh, this season, his demise might uh, very well be due to his own poor decision-making and needing to save everyone. In many ways, Rick is a great leader, but it's a role that truly exploits weakness he's not willing to learn from, even at others' expense. Here's where Negan's philosophy does make sense. People are a resource, whether personalized or practically. Rick's failure to respect certain boundaries and limitations will cost him big. The sad, the I mean, like I, I agree with what Rick is doing. He's trying to do the thing that will be the best for everyone and figure out a way for all the people in the communities to thrive, right? Yeah. But uh, he, because it's The Walking Dead, he's going to get punished severely for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because Robert Kirkman, you... you he hates uh, mm-hmm. goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael Koska says, the dialogue between the characters was rich and meaningful. I felt like I learned something new about some of these characters I'm less familiar with, as well as characters I've known for years through simple character interactions. The zombies felt like a threat again. That's the most Daryl has said in four seasons. Yes. Excellent tension, and I love that they kick things off with a big payoff from right out of the comics with Gregory. It felt like a classic Walking Dead episode. I'm psyched for the season, to say the least. Good to hear from you, Michael. Michael's <laughs> listener from way back. Well, Favo, yay! Lauren Cohen, wow! Is it awful that I'm hoping uh, Whiskey Cavalier fails? That's her new show. Oh, I didn't know it was called Whiskey Cavalier. Interesting. Michelle Peralia says, Karen, I know you're about ready to give up on this show, but I'm hoping this episode is helping to change your mind. I really miss your point of view, enthusiasm, and humor, so I hope you'll stick with us. It's been a tough two years, but I see a lot of hope for the future of the show, something I haven't felt in a while. I actually rewatched this episode, and I don't think I really wanted to rewatch an episode of The Walking Dead for a long time. Oh, that's really nice. I really did very much enjoy this episode and I really feel like it's a whole new thing I'm excited about next week but I should let the listeners know that I'm on jury duty and um, I may get picked for the um, they're they're starting to pick jurors and I may be picked for the jury panel and in that case, it's a two-month trial. They've uh, the judge warned us last week that it was going to last about two months. And if that happens, I won't be able to do the rest of uh, the of well, the season anyway. From now on, anytime um, they ask you a question, because they're still picking the jury, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just say. Oh! <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> No matter what they ask. No, no. Uh, I should, I should say, uh, rhetorical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not rhetorical. Or you could yeah. say. Brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just they're... act like you're insane. Come on. <laughs> Start yelling out obscenities. Are you like she's perfect? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're going to pick me or not. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Ball 
Bullshit! <laughs> that'll, that'll get me thrown out of the courtroom. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Okay, and we had one call from somebody who didn't leave his name. He actually left this message a couple of weeks ago, which I think is kind of in a weird way prophetic. So here it goes. Rhetorical! <laughs> weird, right? It's weird. Like, why? I, I kind of like it, but I, love I don't get it. it. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for calling in. Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. I guess that was Gregory calling from Beyond the Grave. All right. Now it's time for Comic Talk. I'm happy to say that Lucy and Derek Woo. are back to do Comic Talk. So take it away, guys. Hey, Zedheads. Welcome to a new season of Comic Talk. Um, I'm Lucy. And I'm Derek. Yes, the uh, probably the least understandable portion of uh, the Walking Dead cast. Uh, <laughs> the Zedheads discussion from Lucy and Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Great to be back for another season. Yeah. Uh, I know, Lucy, you've been doing Fear the Walking Dead with Jason for the last couple of months, but uh, but great to be back for some comic talk. It's so nice. I actually had a really nice moment at the weekend where I realised I was going to get to do comic talk again, which was really lovely, because I feel Yay. we were kind of cut short last season, which was sad. So I'm glad that we're here from the beginning. And um, we're here today to discuss the Walking Dead comic connections to season nine, episode one, A New Beginning. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think overall? Overall, the episode was great. And, you know, having a brand new showrunner on here, it's one of the ones where I was thinking, will she be pulling from the comics as much as Uh as, uh, we'd seen in the past? And I'm really happy to see that they took some really good swates of the comic, but did some brand new stuff with this episode. Um, Some stuff we haven't seen in a long time. Seeing the the actual gang working together to, to... develop their community was quite cool in this episode i really enjoyed it as a starter for for season nine i totally agree with you and i think the thing that put my mind at ease with this episode was some of the things that i thought may have been tipped off track by various character deaths or changing Mm -hmm. of storylines some of those are coming home to roost and it's actually feeling pretty good it's not feeling like things are missing i still miss carl that's the one thing i'll say is I missed him this episode um, in a couple of scenes that I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah, generally, I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed and I'm looking forward to next week based on what we've seen. Um, and yeah, a good swathe of comic book stuff in there and some stuff mm-hmm. that would have looked amazing in the comic. Because, for example, I don't think we go to a museum in the comics no. at any point. But I love that set piece. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you remember about the new beginning arc. Yeah, I suppose the the big moment at the start of this 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 episode was the new beginning for mm. for the gang that we've seen uh, for so so long in the comic books. I just read a little bit about it today again because just to refresh myself, mm. I suppose uh, the new beginning arc itself was from issue one two seven to one three two, and it was kind of Kirkman saying, "I've been dealing with all these characters for one hundred and twenty six issues, loads of backstory, loads of of uh, baggage that they're carrying around with them, and I'm going to just reset it all." So yeah. if there's a comic book fan and who hasn't jumped in, they don't need to actually read all of the comic books beforehand it's a brand new point where they can jump on board yeah. and get this kind of new vibe um the what i remember most from this is that it felt like a western it felt like they were setting it up yes. as everybody riding horses and um and doing the tilling of the land and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and they really got that vibe i think in this episode of the show absolutely i think alexandria looked spot on as well for yes. that kind of vibe yeah. i was really pleased with that it looked um because I feel like we got kind of a preview of that last season, but I feel like it felt much more real this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoyed that a lot. I think 
what really differed from the comics, which was quite interesting, was I think a new beginning. It actually starts with Magna and her group, so it really feels like a completely new story because we enter it via this this new group of people. But I actually yeah. loved seeing our group as a new group with faces that we aren't as familiar with. You know, the gang was all there, and I think that was much more rewarding and a nice kind of introdu- introduction back to back to the main show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you couldn't you couldn't start it off the season with all brand new characters. I think this idea of bringing them all back in this way, seeing where everybody lives, there is that lovely moment when when we see uh, Daryl kind of concerned about the fact that all of his friends are spread across all of the groups. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's kind of speaking to what the audience talks about a lot with this show, where each individual main character has now got a gang around them, yeah. and they kind of want to see them work together. So setting it up this way. Doing that visit to the uh, to the museum um, to get the gear that they need to to develop this community. Mm-hmm. While it's not from the comic books, it's a great choice to to make to make sure that they're all still connected. I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing I would say about that is like, don't send your doctor on a dangerous run. Like, it's just like there must be another doctor. <laughs> Why have they sent Cedric? So that was my one concern about this. Um, but I enjoyed the Indiana Jones being afraid of spiders rather than snakes. But it it tickled me. Um, so in terms of the things that are playing out slightly differently mm-hmm. i had a real dummy moment um where i was watching what was happening in the sanctuary and i was thinking mm-hmm. to myself well it's funny that daryl's back there yeah you wouldn't think they would put him back there after everything you went through and i had a major head slap moment of oh daryl is kind of dwight at this point like not exactly, exactly yeah. but yeah yeah it's he's taking the place of dwight we saw in the comic book issues this is uh, issue number 141 a very important comic book which we'll talk about mm. one of the other big storylines that happens in there but um but this moment with daryl talking to rick about uh, wanting to give up the role as leader um mm. that comes directly from the conversation where dwight hides out uh, in in the background in issue 141 for a little while yeah. to get his opportunity to speak to rick about giving up on being a leader mm-hmm. um they kind of split the storyline i think a, a bit and what, what let me know what you think lucy as well but they kind of seem to split the storyline between um both daryl and maggie where maggie's had a uh, had an election to get her role yeah. as leader in hilltop and whereas daryl has kind of taken on the role as leader over mm-hmm. in sanctuary and seems a bit unhappy about that yeah i think you're you're absolutely right i couldn't uh, that was one thing and it's not a criticism of the show in a kind of big nitpicky way i couldn't really get my head around how they would have got Daryl to do that given what he went through there but I think they kind of explained it away with sort of it was Rick's idea and he wanted to give Mm -hmm. it a go or whatever and I wonder if what we know about Lauren Cohen leaving the show we're going to see a little bit of different development with Maggie um, because I do think she's maybe a more in the comics Maggie kind of comes out as a sort of not perfect leader but a very strong leader and a very kind of mm. well-liked leader whereas I feel like in the show they're maybe pulling back from that slightly and they're giving her a bit more of a hard edge which I quite like because in the comics it always kind of confused me that she went from being this kind of wild child slightly unstable young woman to suddenly being like I don't know the Hillary Clinton of the apocalypse like being able to be like I'm just gonna do all this and be very cool about things um so I think yeah I think she they have kind of split that sort of reluctance and that discomfort between the two of them um Mm -hmm. and I like that I like that vulnerability that they have there 
Uh, yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Um, I, I wonder if it's partly to do with the fact that they've removed so much other stuff and condensed, I suppose, the biggest arc that we're going to talk about from the comic books. They condensed a lot of that into just this episode. Yeah. Um, what we're talking about really is what leads up to Gregory, oh, uh, yes. his final moments on the show. Uh, that arc began in like issue 135 and went all the way through to issue 142. So you're talking, you know, seven issues, seven months for comic book readers yeah. at the time. And I looked back and checked it out. And that's the point when I was subscribed to this book every single month and the book was coming out I was reading it every single month yes. consuming it as it came out yep. <laughs> and it felt so long to get to the resolution of that mm-hmm. storyline in this they take out probably the biggest uh, bads in the show and just condense that moment where we have Gregory trying to turn on Maggie mm-hmm. um, trying to use the position of parents who, are, who have lost a child really yeah. to kind of get him back into the position where he wants what did you think of how they handled it on the show Lucy? I enjoyed it actually I was I thought mm-hmm. it was a brave move in the first episode and it paid off and I thought it was a very interesting dynamic to set up with Rick and Maggie in such direct opposition about whether mm-hmm. or not you should execute somebody for for what they've done I think that the way that it played out was much more televisual cinematics than in the comics just in the sense that in the comics we have um Gregory has a harder time I think persuading some of the the people to back him he aims bigger he tries to get more people to come kind of to his side in this plan Mm -hmm. and his murder or attempted murder of Maggie is much more I don't know if it's more cowardly or not but it's poison um in the comics and there is a bit of not for Maggie and not for Jesus who finds it, but there's a bit of dubiety about whether or not Gregory has... Like, it's less clear-cut, um, certainly for the people of Hilltop as well, but it's actually the people of Hilltop that kind of make the decision to hang him. So it's... Mm-hmm. Maggie's less alone in her decision-making, which I wonder if that's going to be, like, a bit of um, conflict going forward between Maggie and the Hilltop is that she definitively makes that decision in the show, whereas in the comics it seems to be more of a, a collective effort. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of felt in the in the uh, comics, it felt like Gregory was hanging at the end of issue 141 without any explanation. We don't really get mm-hmm. much of a, anything behind that. And if you're waiting a month for the explanation from, yeah. from Maggie, you know, <laughs> it's very different to having this moment. But what they changed in the show, I suppose, and what probably makes it the big, bigger conflict is that we have, as you say, we've got Rick and Michonne standing right underneath that body. Mm. They're there to see her make this big decision that Rick is effectively not made with Negan. Yes. Um, we hear throughout this episode, Negan's still alive. We knew that. But um, that is still a bone of contention with many of the other players within the show. Mm-hmm. Whereas we have this really decisive uh, moment for Maggie where she hangs uh, Gregory. And Rick never made that decision. Rick yeah. decided to keep the biggest evil in the show alive. Um, so that puts them in direct opposition, which is something you don't get from the comic books. No, not at all. And I think it was... It, I was watching it and I was just thinking to myself, like, would she have made this decision if Rick hadn't saved Negan. And in the comic mm. books, I think because of time and because of storyline, the two decisions aren't related. It's they're like they're, they're separate things. It's like Maggie and her issues with Gregory are not really anything yeah. to do with Rick and Negan. She seems to have made her peace with that. Maybe not made her peace with it, but have come to terms with it uh, in a different kind of way. So, yeah, I think the show, I don't know, I was so worried about the fact that Maggie and Rick were both leaving, but now I'm starting to think they could pull it off with some of this conflict that they're they're cooking up there. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel that she justified it well? 
I, I loved that moment. I love the speech because it's again, it's directly from the comic book. The uh, this is not the beginning of something. This is us trying to work together, and people stand in the way. This is what happens to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it it feels a little bit uh, very tough, very hard mm-hmm. of Maggie, and a very hard leader as she's becoming. But yeah, I think it's it's uh, it, it pulled off really well. It was a really good moment of drama in the episode. Yeah, I mean, it ties into the idea of nation building as well. Like with, with mm-hmm. Michonne saying, although I get the feeling Michonne and Rick are very much anti death penalty, and Maggie's much yes. more. Uh, much more conservative than that so it's quite interesting to see the two in in direct opposition so no i completely agree um yeah i I think rick's trying it out trying it on for size at the moment yeah Uh, he he hasn't been anti-death penalty in the past i think at the moment he's making this decision and i'm hoping we're going to see uh that negan speech from uh from issue 141 to rick uh in coming up in the show as as to what what negan thinks the reason that uh that that Rick may have done this. Yeah, I think so. And I liked that we were Negan Light this episode, but that he wasn't ignored entirely. I liked that he was still a presence in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In terms of Maggie generally, the only other thing I have is um, Maggie and Rick on the porch with baby Herschel. It's mm-hmm. really reminiscent in issue 132. There's just a really nice scene with Maggie, Rick, Andrea, Carl. Actually, Andrea might not be there. I might be making that up. Um, but you've also got Carl and Sophia there as well, and they kind of yeah. just reminisce about where they've come from and where they've got to. And that was the point where I felt the loss of Carl. I think I was like, you know, this. Yeah, it was like seeing the two of them with baby Herschel and not Rick not having his son there was was difficult. I think it was not quite. But it was a similar kind of note to the comic, but not quite because there was that tension brewing there rather than this kind of moment of peace and and this is where we come to that you get in yeah. that particular issue i know i know what you mean and i think it wasn't the plot from gregory was actually to kill both carl and uh and maggie in yes the it was yeah because it was actually it wasn't to do with um the death of earl's son i think it's carl uh beating up some kids mm-hmm. in self-defense and they feel that he doesn't get punished enough for it so yeah i think that yeah. actually i feel like the the show did a better job of setting up the grounds for why Gregory might want to kill Maggie because in the comic I think it was much more of a slow burn um, and you know nobody actually died it was just to get the parents riled up but in this mm-hmm. you know you've got the very direct loss of someone and you can see why that would push someone to those limits yeah yeah Um, the only other thing I have is Carol and Ezekiel and Michonne or rather not Michonne so is Carol going to the sanctuary kind of a substitute for Michonne going to Oceanside in the comics or is Mm -hmm. it just kind of an allusion to it certainly she doesn't leave on as kind of estranged terms as Michonne does but it does seem like they're building that distance in between the two of them Um, because obviously at this point in the comics Michonne and Ezekiel are, are an item uh, whereas Carol and well, Carol's dead, and uh, Rick and yeah. Andrea are together at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because again, going back and reading all these books over the course of the day, just kind of flicking through some of the ones that I couldn't remember completely, it's really interesting seeing the the fact that they are still drawing on the friendship between um, Michonne and uh, and Rick. Yeah, even in their relationship, you see them having that friendship as well. Oh, uh, I a love little it bit, so much. <laughs> which is so which is so nice. But seeing Carol and, and Ezekiel together, you're absolutely right. I didn't pick up on this that this uh, this moment where Carol goes off to the sanctuary could possibly be that time when we lost Michonne from the comic books for about ten or fifteen issues. It was yeah. when they they did the computer game, wasn't it? The uh, Telltale game. They did. Yeah, they did a Telltale game. Michonne's adventures. To my horror, I think there's actually a couple of hor- comic books that I've not read. There's a little Michonne <laughs> like I don't know if it's a couple of issues or not, but I know 
noticed when mm-hmm. I was re- revising today uh, that a couple <laughs> came up, so I need to go back. I feel like they were appended to comic book issues or something, um, but there was a little kind of spin-off with... Uh, with Michonne in that way, so now that but Oceanside aren't quite as mysterious in the show. There, mm-hmm. um, apparently the ocean's not as far away as it is in the comics. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in, I'm really excited to see what happens going forward. Um, I'm not sure what the next big beat we're looking for is, but I suppose it's probably the introduction of, uh, the Whisperers. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yes, where we're heading. yes. Uh, that is that's right around this time in the comic books. Um, definitely don't want to spoil that that part. But the problem, I suppose, for us with our comic talk section is that they are pulling bits of the comic book uh, yeah. into the show. That if you read that individual book, you're getting some huge swaths of storyline yeah, exactly. about what's going on outside <laughs> the gates. So, uh, so hopefully, by us talking about these pieces here, myself and Lucy talking about these pieces here, we're not spoiling any of the outheads and all the other stuff that's going on around. Uh, oh, there's around loads, the loads camps. of you know, there's there's like. Rick's in a band, you know, Carl's doing all that. No, I'm joking, that stuff. Well, no, it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, was there anything we could, else? We could create fake spoilers, of course. Oh, that would be amazing. See who actually <laughs> listens to the end of the podcast. Be like, if you've mm-hmm. listened this far, I sometimes do that in my reading list for my students. I'll leave something in at the very end so I'll know if they've actually read it all or not. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's also to make sure that to see whether any of the Z heads can actually decipher what we're saying. It's always good to leave little it's moments true. in here as well. Um, the, the only other one that I have, and only because it's another comic book TV show. Um, Zach McGowan is a character that definitely stood out if you were watching that scene with Daryl and the Saviors. Uh, Zach McGowan is the gruff-looking character who we're definitely going to see in the future of the show uh, who tells... um, Daryl that he's not going to he doesn't know how to wipe something off the wall which is <laughs> yeah. the saviors are still here definitely a clash between those two characters is coming uh, but just to mention he played a very big character on the show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. played Anton Ivanov uh, for oh. two seasons uh, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so um, I think him being a villain on that show does give me pause and go yeah we're going to see him in the future he uh, they do need some conflict up in the saviors yeah. uh, zone so we're probably going to see him and he uh, looks, coming up he looks kind of like an evil Jesus he's not a direct lift from a comic character though is he i was thinking about this it's yeah it's more general in the comic at this point isn't it um yeah 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 well i'm excited for next week hopefully we'll be back with some more stuff to talk about then absolutely always been great and always great to talk to the z heads and yourself lucy Uh, oh thanks eric it's great to be back and i've got a good feeling about this season Mm -hmm. so fingers crossed we'll we'll have stuff to come back to so we will see you next week z heads in the meantime take care talk to you next time bye 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 all right that's our show episode 328 thanks for listening everybody thanks everybody Thanks again for Lucy to Lucy and Derek for doing Comic Talk. I haven't heard it yet, but I'm excited to listen. Uh, Derek hosts the Defenders TV podcast, which covers all the Marvel Netflix shows. They just finished covering Iron Fist Season 2. They're going to be kicking off their Daredevil Season 3 reviews starting October 19th. And you can find them by searching for Defenders TV podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts or just go to DefendersTVPodcast.com. Super cool. By the way, I was just in Seattle this weekend and I saw an amazing Marvel exhibit at, it's called Mopop, the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle. And it was incredible. A bunch of stuff from all the Marvel movies and a bunch of great backstories on how Marvel characters came about. And it was a wonderful exhibit. That's cool. Yeah, I recommend it. I'm surprised you were into that, actually. I yeah, yeah, I loved it. They had a they had a wonderful a bunch of stuff from um, Black Panther, 
which oh, is cool. wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> right on. Uh, be- before we go, I want to say um, we're coming up on elections here in the U.S. and Karen and I both really want to try to ask you guys, as many of you as possible, to go out and vote. We're not saying how, we're just saying we want you, as many people as possible, to vote because that's the only way that our democracy works. That's one of the powers that we have as citizens. And I'm asking now because actually California, where I am, early voting is starting, I think, today. Yeah. So if you uh, don't usually vote, vote now. And if you don't really know how to vote or don't know if you're registered, you can just go to Mm vote.org. You can find out how to vote there, how to register, find out whether you're already registered. So uh, we... I think we try not to ask too much of you guys, but this this one, I mean, we're going to be mentioning it in the next few podcasts. Please, please go out and vote. It's our citizen superpower. <laughs> and in the meantime, if you want to call us, you can reach us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcastica.com. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Like House Podcastica for our Game of Thrones rewatch. Yes. Heading into the final season coming up next, I think, spring. And then we'll also be covering spinoffs on that podcast. So Woo. lots of Game of Thrones stuff to come. Next episode of this podcast, Walking Dead Season 9, Episode 2, The Bridge. You're going to be here for that one? I will sweet so we'll see you next week it's really good to be back podcasting with you that was really fun yeah i agree Woo. <laughs> all right that's our show thanks for listening don't, don't get, get bit jillian moreau sweet the rain's new fall sunlit from heaven like the first dew fall on First breath, praise for the sweetness of the wet garden, sprung in completeness where his feet Mine is the sunlight, mine is the morning, born of the one light, Eden saw play. Praise with elation, praise every morning, God's recreation of the new.
bug, doodle bug, go away home, blah, 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 blah. 